Voices, WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, and on the web at WERU.org, Grassroots Community Radio. Support for WERU comes from Village Soup, the Republican Journal, providing the communities of Waldo, Knox, and Hancock Counties with news, information, ideas, events, goods, and services on newsstands Thursdays and on the web at waldo.villagesoup.com. About a half a minute before 4 o'clock in Maine Currents. Time enough to tell you we still have the WERU Listener Survey active at WERU.org. Please do check it out. We'd love to hear some feedback from our listeners. What we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, there's questions for everybody. And an announcement about our broadcast of 99.9. The uh, part is on the way. We hope to be up and running in the next couple of days or so. And we are now stereo again at 89.9. So if you're listening at WERO.org, you can hear us in stereo again at 89.9. Stay tuned for Main Currents. And this is Maine Currents, independent local news, views, and culture for Wednesday, July 13th, 2016. I'm your host, Amy Brown. We're once again joined by our multi-partisan crew of area residents that have been joining us once or twice a month for the last few months to talk about the upcoming elections. And I'm going to have them go around and introduce themselves and say a few words in just a minute. But today, at their request, we're going to shift the focus a little bit and start taking some time to talk about some of the ballot questions that are going to appear on the ballot here in Maine this fall. Today's focus will be on question five, a citizen's initiative for ranked choice voting. A representative of the group that's promoting the measure will be joining us by phone to answer our questions and yours in about 15 minutes or so. And that gives us time for each of our panelists first to introduce themselves and say a few words about recent developments in the presidential campaign since the last time they were here or anything else that they'd like to say about that before we start tackling RCV, which is what we're going to abbreviate, Ranked Choice Voting. And we're going to start this time to my left. Go ahead, Dave. You're up first. Introduce yourself. Well, sure. My name is Dave Guglia. I'm from Blue Hill. I am the, the Hancock County at-large state committee member. Uh, I'm also chairman of the Blue Hill Town Republican Committee. And I support Donald Trump for president because he offers the change our country needs. And as a businessman, he has led over 500 successful companies against the odds. And he'll bring that experience to work on our economy and improve our trade deals. Mr. Trump surrounds himself with the best and brightest people who have the knowledge and experience to provide him with the information needed to make the best decision. Mr. Trump is the only candidate that I have heard that is willing to stand up for our country. He knows the struggle that America faces with the ever-increasing drug epidemic and that much of this is caused by illegal immigrants and our open border with Mexico. Mr. Trump knows that building a wall will make America safer by stopping the importing of terrorists. He realizes where America needs the most work and is willing to put himself out on the line and at his own cost to make sure that America becomes great again. Mr. Trump makes me proud to be an American again. He talks the tough talk that we have deafened ourselves to hear, and he reminds me of the strong leaders that I learned about in my history books. He may not necessarily say the most popular things, but he is right. This country was number one in many areas, and with Mr. Trump, we will be again. Mr. Trump has the vigor, strength, and determination to be a world leader. And if I could also add, I went to the uh, rally in Bangor, stood outside in a little bit of the rain, uh, was able to sign up to be a volunteer, and the Secret Service gave us these neat little badges. I know the radio people can't see it, but I'll show it for the people in the room. And I was actually able to get Mr. Trump to sign the back of it. So, All right, he's brought a souvenir with him. And we're, gonna, we're sharing mics again here, so you hear a little bit of shuffling in the background. Listeners, please bear with us. We're uh, doing our best to get as many people in here as possible, and people are being really um, flexible about that. Renee, you're up next. 
Hi, my name is Renee Trust, and I live right here in the town of Franklin in the uh, county of Hancock. And I am... I used to come here as a uh, libertarian-leaning Republican, but now I join you as a Republican-leaning Libertarian. And I'm still a free thinker, so I still don't really have a candidate for, um, you know, just because I registered or took up a new banner does not mean that I automatically support Gary Johnson. Um, that's not what I'm about. I may abstain uh, during this election, as I often have in the past. If I can't wholeheartedly support somebody, I won't. I'll vote for, um, you know, other people down the ticket. But um, at this point, as the way things stand right now, I am not going to vote at the top of the ticket. And um, But I look forward to I think it's very important for all the voters to get out. We have some really important ballot initiatives that, um, I believe are all bad for Maine, so I look forward to all the discussion with those, and with that, I'll pass. All right. Thanks, Renee. Steve. My name is Steve Godsoe from Bangor. Uh, is, I support Hillary Clinton. As President Obama said, Hillary Clinton is the most prepared candidate to be president in the history of our country. Only three presidents were senators and secretary of state, and of course, none were first lady or a woman. If liberals or progressives or others favor abolishing Citizens United, reaffirming the Voter Rights Act, campaign finance reform, women's rights including fair pay and the right to choose, LGBT rights, decent health care, and to slow global warming with clean energy, then the most efficient vote is for Hillary Clinton. These are all things that Bernie and Hillary agree on. All right. Thanks, Steve. I'll pull that right over there towards you there, Tim. Hello, this is uh, Tim Wilson from Belfast, Maine, and Walter County. Uh, I have been supporting Bernie Sanders, uh, and I just want to say to all the, the Bernie people out there, yesterday was a tough day. Uh, we saw him endorse Hillary. Um, and what I would call to you is the successes of the campaign. Number one is when he started, his ideas were fringe or considered fringe and out there. And he has proven that there are millions upon millions of us that will stand for the issues that he stood for. And not only stand with him, but reach into our wallets and fund him uh, so that he has changed uh, sort of the face of American politics. I think now uh, uh, he's working with inside the party or trying to change the Democratic Party from the inside. I think there are a lot of people questioning whether or not that's possible, but um, uh, there certainly is a, a lot of us are headed over to the Greens or <clears throat> and, and on the top of the ticket and then down ticket. So don't focus necessarily just on the top of the ticket, but look at the down ticket because you know Bernie is with the brand new congress.com and such is working to change things uh, at the in the House and in the Senate uh, as well as at the state level. So uh, thanks. Uh, hang in there, and let's keep going. It doesn't really matter how many times you get knocked down. What matters is how many times you get back up. All right. Thanks, Tim. Hi. I'm Betsy Gerald. I'm from Knox, Maine, which is in Waldo County. And I um, am a former state party chair for the Maine uh, Green Independent Party. And I'm here, of course, representing whoever will be our candidate. Most likely is going to be Dr. Jill Stein. Uh, for I have um, something to offer to you disheartened burners out there. If you want to see someone speak to continuing the revolution, um, 
I would suggest that you go to jill2016.com and watch her hour-long um, live post from last night when she uh, you know, spoke directly to the folks that are the most discouraged right now. Um, one of the f- my favorite quotes from that um, talk was that you can't have a revolution inside a counter-revolutionary party, and the Democratic Party has proven itself again and again to be counter-revolutionary. She lists all the people, all the grassroots candidates that they have shut down over the years, um, Jesse Jackson, well, let's see, I have the list here because I knew I wouldn't remember, Dennis Kucinich, Howard Dean, starting back as far as George McGovern, where the um, the plutocrats and the oligarchs in the Democratic Party have have um, shut down folks uh, who wanted, who were running a true grassroots campaign and were really trying to to uh, to take care of the the rank and file people, um, just as Bernie was trying to do. Um, I was terribly disappointed in what he did yesterday, but not the least bit surprised. And I think it's going. I think that ranked choice voting that we're going to talk about later on is going is a is a way for us to actually um, have some real say in the political process. So, do you have any uh, idea whether or not the rumors that possibly uh, Sanders will run as yeah. on the ticket as a green might be true? As Jill said so many times last night, thank you for asking. That's a very good question. And <laughs> um, yeah, actually, that's been addressed over and over again. The Guardian, the Guardian, um, in fact, I even have the dates here of the articles when the, Gu- the Guardian, so many of the headlines have said that that was true, and it's really not. What Jill was offering was to sit down with Bernie and and figure out ways that, that the Green Party and he could work together to continue the political revolution that he started, which was a wonderful thing, and he got a lot of attention, and bless his heart for that. But um, but Bernie has never responded. She sent a letter in April. She has, um, on Democracy Now! again in June, she asked to, to sit down with him. His, he and his campaign have never responded to that. He actually said back in March, I believe it was, that he would not even consider a third-party run. So, um, you know, Jill has reached out to him to try to work with him. She has not offered to give him our ballot lines. She has not offered to... She did say that she would be happy to step aside if he would become a Green, but I was the Green Party chair the year that the party finally grew up and said, no, you can't run on our ballot line unless you are a registered Green. And Ralph Nader tried to... to tear the party apart over that. But we have stood by our, our guns, and we, ooh, that's a terrible thing to say, but we've stood, we've stood strong and said, no, unless you are a registered Green, you cannot be the Green Party candidate. And, and Bernie had absolutely no interest in that. It was obvious. All right. Shifting to the other side, Renee, I wonder, is there anybody that Trump could put on as a running mate that would... Um, Kali Fiorina, you've mentioned a few times, is your favorite that would draw you back into the or draw you into the Trump camp. You know, I don't know. I, I don't believe she's on his list, though, and I and I, I don't think she would accept if he asked her either. Yeah. So I, I I I don't know how to answer that question. Okay. And Steve Godso, as far as uh, Bernie endorsing Hillary yesterday, was that a surprise to you that he not only withdrew but he actually threw in his endorsement and. A second question to that, I don't think it's likely, I haven't heard anything to suggest that it is, maybe you all have, 
that he would that she would ask him to be a running mate but would that be something that would make that ticket more attractive for you or would you not like that uh, I think it would be uh, he's probably fourth or fifth or sixth or not being vetted at all so I don't think he's the candidate for vice president and he can do a lot of good in the Senate actually um, I was very pleased with his full-throated endorsement of Hillary. He didn't seem to hold anything back. So he's had a chance to look at all the w ways that the platform has changed and talk to her a lot about what her plans are. And given all that, he was able to endorse her strongly. All right. Listeners, you are listening to Main Currents on WERU. We're going to, in just a few minutes, be joined by someone who is promoting the question number five on the main ballot this fall, which is about ranked choice voting, and we're going to shift gears and talk about that. In the meantime, I just want to get uh, my multi-partisan committee here to weigh in, if any of them would like, on a Pew poll that just recently came out that said uh, the, the approval ratings of the two major party candidates, Trump and Clinton, remain very low. And according to their recent study, 55% of Trump supporters see themselves as primarily voting against Clinton. And almost the exact is true. The Clinton supporters see themselves as primarily voting against Trump. What do you make of that? If, if we've got 50% in the case of the uh, people who are voting for Clinton who are saying they're doing it because it's a vote against Trump and 55 of the Trump percent of the Trump people who are voting against primarily because it's a, a vote against Hillary Clinton. Where is that going to leave us if presumably one of these folks wins? Any thoughts about that? I have some thoughts about that. This is Renee Trust. Um, this is Renee. And um, <laughs> I've been feeling all week like I'm living in an episode of The Twilight Zone. And uh, and I don't know. How, show of hands, how many people have read Atlas Shrugged? Okay. Well, it's no longer fiction. That, oh, by the way, for radio listeners, that was, uh, I think, four hands that went up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Including the engineers. It's it's no longer fiction. I feel like I'm living in that novel too. I mean, look at what's going on. We had we had the director of the FBI this week verify that Hillary Clinton lied and um was reckless and I'm not sure the exact words he used, but I mean it was proof positive. And yet she is still a presidential candidate. And this is uh I just I don't get that. And uh as far as the um people voting against. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a proponent for voting for someone. I think I kind of exemplified that a couple times here already. If people would just go out and vote for somebody, I mean, one vote, that's, that's what you get. And that's why I'm against the ranked choice voting. I mean, we have a simple system. Why complicate it? Let's keep it simple. Anyone else want to weigh in on that? We've got about one minute, I think, before our phone gets I strongly disagree with the, this is Steve the lying Godzell. thing. Uh, actually, Clinton when supporter. he testified before the House, it cleared up a lot of things. There are only three emails that had some mark on them in the body of the email that were they called classified. But the state came out later that day and said they were a mistake. They shouldn't have been classified. Comey didn't know that. And all of the emails that were sent, none of them had the classified mark on them. They were all up-classified. That is, after they found out they were going to be sent out to the public, they said, no, this is classified or this is classified. But at the time, none of those were classified. So when she said there were no classified emails, and these are all coming from people who've been in the state for a long time, you know, 300, as she said. So they're not going to be sending classified emails. They had private servers. So did uh, Colin Pyle and Condoleezza Rice. Uh, we all, if you have a credit card, you've been hacked many times. So anyway. 
All right, we're going to leave it there because that discussion could definitely take up at least one entire show. (laughs) And uh, we have a phone guest joining us. Uh, Thank you very much for joining us today. This is former State Senator Dick Woodbury. Welcome to the program. It's great to be with you. And you are one of the primary movers and shakers behind question number five. I understand you've been working on this for at least the past couple of years, uh, ranked choice voting, RCV. Can you uh, just give us a basic overview and then what I'm hoping we can do with the time that you're with us is I have a little, we're going to try to do a little ranked choice voting here in the studio. We'll see if that works on radio. If it doesn't, we'll abandon that project. Our guests here in the studio who represent, I don't know if you've been listening, but a range of different political uh, parties and ideologies will have some questions for you. And then yeah, we'll it also... sounds like a great program, a great forum that you have there. Thank you. There is, it's a bunch of really good guests making it that way. And yeah. we'll be opening the phone lines for other listeners to call in with questions as well. But first, if you could just give us an overview of the impetus behind this ballot question. Yeah, well, our, our election system works just fine when you have only two candidates running. But as soon as you get into races where there's a third candidate or a fourth candidate, and, you know, often in in, in primaries in particular, there can be many candidates. And the dynamics of those races change a lot um, under our current system, and it just doesn't work as well. And so what ranked choice voting is at its core is a really cost-efficient way to do runoffs. And it works exactly like runoffs in, in terms of the, the mechanics of, of the ranked choice system. Voters, um, you know, rather than just picking their one favorite candidate, they rank the candidates in order of their preference, first choice, second choice, third choice, and so on. Um, and then the determination of the winner happens just as if you were having a runoff, except for you don't need to open the polls again, bring people back. You know exactly what people would do in the runoff based on how they rank the candidates. So to just kind of give you a, a, a quick example of that, imagine there are three candidates, A, B, C. Everybody ranks their preferences for them. You add up all the first-choice rankings for each of the candidates and say A has 40% of the vote and B has uh, uh, 31% of the vote and C has 29% of the vote. Well, C has gotten the fewest first choice ranking so they're eliminated and you have a runoff between a and b but instead of the cost of a traditional runoff you do it instantaneously everybody whose first choice was a stays with a every voter whose first choice was b stays with b but if you voted for c rather than your vote having been you know wasted in a sense you get to participate in the runoff and you just look at the second choice of those people whose first choice was was candidate C, and the second choice will be either candidate A or B, and that person at that point has clearly gotten, that candidate at that point point has clearly gotten broader support than in the way that our current system does it. So it's designed to kind of have all the benefits that you get from from a runoff in a a cost-efficient way. Okay, so what we have done here is we had, uh, since... Our, candid, our, our, our panelists here are invited because they represent, we know each are representing sort of a different political viewpoint. We knew we were going to have kind of probably a five-way tie. So I grabbed <laughs> one of the listeners who came into the station earlier today and had him participate in this too. So that also gave us six uh, sets of votes. And I don't even know, I told him he could put his in the order he would really vote or he could just, you know, put these in whatever order. And we also allowed for... Um, 
for a like write-in vote if you want to. And what we ended up with for first place, um, there are six of these here. There are only two candidates. Uh, only one candidate got more than one vote for first place. Dr. Jill Stein has two people voting in first place. Um, then we have two write-in candidates for second place, but they're two different ones. And then we have one for Hillary and one for Donald Trump. So when you have uh, Dr. Jill Stein has two votes, she's in the head, she's in the lead here. But but the <laughs> others are. <laughs> What's that? As in, she's there. She's got two first choice rankings. She has two first choice rankings, yeah. right? But the the uh, the remaining four are for all different candidates. They all got one vote each. So this isn't obviously the best example. Yeah, but this is a pretty tough example because. I mean, you know, you're going to you you need to eliminate the candidate that has the fewest number of first choice rankings in order to have a runoff. Right. And you know, given that you've got so few votes in this case, it's it's a little bit of a tough example to actually actually you know play out. Um, what if you did have a tie between uh, the second choice? You know, say the first choice doesn't have the the candidate that has the most first choice votes. But still hasn't risen above fifty percent. Yeah, I mean any any. And then you. I mean any kind of election system has to have a method for dealing with ties. Right. So I'm talking and, about ties in the second place, though. What if yeah. you have ties in second or third place? Right. So our, so our current election system, you know, for example, when there is a tie, um, it is given to the legislature to decide, which is a very political environment in which to have the decision made. Um, the, this particular bill does it randomly. So if there is, in fact, a perfect tie, um, it is a random choice, uh, the, the, the person that, that wins the tie. Okay. And, you know, and, you know, it's hard to know what the right way to do it. You know, some places have said, well, you have to, you should reopen the polls again. You know, some have said the legislature deciding is fine. Um, it felt like in the spirit of this being a fair and cost-effective system, that in those rare circumstances when there's an exact tie, uh, it would be decided, you know, by a random decision. Okay. Well, we're going to open it up for uh, questions from the panelists now um, because my uh, my little uh, game here isn't working out very well. <laughs> it was worth a shot. And, and I should credit yeah. Minnesota Public Radio has a YouTube video up if anybody <laughs> wants to look at it for ranked choice voting, which is what we kind of base this on. So you can look that up on YouTube and get a get a, kind of a better sense. But I also want to give out the phone number for listeners who might want to call in and then turn this over to the panel. Uh, the number is 469-0500 if you're local and you want to join Maine Currents and talk about ranked choice voting with one of the uh, proponents of that question number five on the fall ballot, uh, former state Senator Dick Woodbury, 4690500, or toll-free 1-866-625-9378. We've got some calls coming in, but while we're waiting for them to get on the line, it looks like Renee has a question for you. This is Renee Trust. Yes. Hi, um, hi Senator. I, I was wondering, what evidence do we have that it's more cost-efficient? Uh, well, it's, it's more cost. I'm, I'm not, it does cost a little bit more than the way we do elections now. But where it's, it, what it's, where it's cost efficient is compared with having an actual runoff. Because when you have an actual runoff, you need to reprint all the ballots. You need to open up all the polls again. Um, you know, people need to take time off from work to go vote again. There's often a drop in participation. So the, the cost of having this kind of alternative ballot 
are just a really cost-effective way of having the same result as an actual runoff. But it's not that it's less expensive than the way we do it now. It's, it's similar, slightly more. Well, don't, wouldn't you think it would be even way more expensive? I mean, the, the mayoral race in Portland in 2011, there were, uh, I think, you know, multiple rounds of voting. Let me there, see. Well, uh, there, there, everybody still goes to the ballot only once. Yes, they really goes out the ballot only once. It may take a little bit longer because you rank the candidates. Um, and occasionally the, the length of the ballot will require a little bit more printing costs. Um, the tabulating machines do need a, a, a software upgrade, which we understand is about $50,000 to put in the software upgrade. Per um, but the costs are pretty manageable. That $50,000 price tag, is that statewide? That's statewide, yeah. Okay. We have a question from a caller. Yo is on the line. Thanks for your patience, Yo. Good afternoon. Hey. Ranked choice voting is interesting in that it is an expedient way to decide a tie. But it still counts only those who vote. Since every vote cast is a vote of confidence in the system, there should be a mechanism whereby those who do not vote are counted as abstentions when the conspiracy candidates are as loathsome as this year's. Thank you for putting on this program. And thank you to everyone for supporting Community Radio. Thanks for your call, Yo. And if you're trying to call in, we have um, the former Senator uh, Dick Woodbury's with us on one of the phone lines. So you may get a busy signal. That leaves one phone line open for callers. But please be patient and try back. We do have a phone line open now if you'd like to be up next. Again, the number to get into Maine Currents is 469 469-0500. 469-0500. If you're local, if you have WERU in your phone to call in song requests or whatever, just use the regular studio number. That's that number that you call in when you have a request. And the toll-free number is 1-866-625-9378. We have Gray from Hancock. Welcome to the program, Gray. Hi, thanks. Great program. Um, just want to make a comment and a question for your panel and the rest of the listeners. Um, I do like the idea of ranked choice voting. Um, what about the idea of having none of the above on the ballot as well as the candidate's names? That might satisfy some of Yo's concerns. Anyway, thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thanks for the call, Gray. Um, would anyone like to tackle that? Yes, uh, this, this is, is Betsy. Betsy. I, yeah, I was thinking the same thing when I heard what Yo was saying. Um, you, you often hear in the circles I run in about having a none of the above um, choice, which would, I think it might win this year. Um, but Yeah, well, I, I mean, one of the aspects of ranked choice voting is it really does make the system work more effectively when there are more options out there. And I think, you know, often when there are these multi-candidate races, you're, you're thinking about how to vote strategically, as in you don't want to, you, know, you want to vote for the person that you really believe in, but if the polls are saying that person's not viable, they can't win, then you don't want to waste your vote. With this system, you really can vote for the person you truly believe in without risking helping somebody that you really don't believe in. So while it's not, it's not a none of the above, it's really closer in the sense of giving voters more voice in the whole process. You know, I, I just, this is Renee, I just don't understand that whole concept. I mean, I remember the governor's race in 2010. We had a lot of candidates for our primary, 
And not once did I say, I have a second choice. I knew who my choice was. I just don't get that. And especially in national elections, I mean, how the heck am I going to say I have more than one candidate that I would, and I understand this is only going to be statewide. So if yeah. there's, you know, so. I, I, I don't know. I guess I, I'm, I guess I just, I disagree. I mean, I look at those, those 2010 primaries and both the Democratic and Republican side, I think, had eight-ish candidates. Mm. And I, I definitely had opinions about more than one of them. It wasn't just one that excited me. I, I had, I think I had a pretty good sense of, of who I preferred in the sequential sense in both, in both of those races. Tim Wilson has a question for you. He's a Bernie Sanders supporter. Uh, yes, Senator. My understanding is is that uh, in nine of the last 11 gubernatorial races, the governors have taken office without a majority of the vote. And that, that then hampers their ability to govern or to say that we have a mandate for our issues, you know, for my lead, for what I'm leading towards. So, you know, ranked choice, wouldn't that give governors more strength as they take office for their platform and their ideas I, I believe it would and you mentioned nine of the 11 five of the 11 were less than 40 percent of the vote and in those cases i think it's even harder for the, the the winning candidate to feel that they have sufficient mandate from the broad public to to go into to go into office with that so i think your point is is very much right on and, go ahead Dave. Uh, Dave senator Dave. woodbury uh, this this is dave gulia um I'm a Trump supporter from Blue Hill. Um, my question is on uh, – I'm, I'm reading that there, there may be possible violations of the main constitution uh, with ranked choice voting uh, regarding the plurality requirement and tabulation of ballot uh, changes. And even in March, um, the attorney general, Maine's attorney general, Janet Mills, who's the Democrat, uh, she issued an opinion stating that if the voters pass the ranked choice it would likely require amending the main constitution to implement, and uh, you know that's something that kind of makes me nervous. Anytime we're going to just open up the, the constitution, whether it's nationally, uh, the U.S. Constitution, or even in the state, I mean, you kind of open yourself up to any anything can kind of happen or be tacked on. Or so, I mean, what how how would you how would you convince me of that that that's not going to happen? Well, ranked choice voting is used in uh, a lot of municipalities around the country, some county races, um, some judicial races, uh, and it's. It, at times, the constitutionality has been questioned, and it has never been ruled as being unconstitutional in any of these other places. And in Maine, you know, we've taken our law to and had the uh, constitutional law professor at the University of Maine Law School look at the bill, former dean of the law schools looked at the bill. Um, they think it's, it's fully constitutional. So, you know, I'm... I'm certainly aware that any law that the legislature passes or that citizens pass through referendum can be challenged for constitutional reasons. But there, you know, at, at least so far in is the, the, what we've looked at this one, it seems perfectly fine. Betsy Gerald, did you have a Yeah, question? I just, well, I just as, as the Green Party person here, I, I will be so happy when the whole spoiler meme gets, gets, uh, gets thrown aside if we have um, ranked choice voting because, because no one can be accused of being a spoiler anymore. Yeah, I, that's, that's absolutely true. You, um, you know, you could, as you say, you can vote for the person that you truly believe in, and if that person turns out not to be one of the top two candidates, you, you still get to participate in the runoff. So, they, so you eliminate that whole spoiler concept. And you're related to that, and you know this has affected me in my own political 
you know, life in Maine, is candidates get encouraged not to run because they're going to be spoilers. And that, to me, is just the worst of how a democracy should work. The you know, people, people who want to go out there and run and share their ideas and you know, put themselves out there for public service, the idea that you've got to discourage that because somebody could be spoiling a race seems to me totally counter to the intent of democracy. I want to remind listeners, you're listening to Maine Currents on WERU, and my guests in the studio today are Betsy Gerald, a Green Party supporter of presumptive nominee Dr. Jill Stein, right? Yes. Uh, Steve Godzo, a Hillary Clinton supporter, Dave Guglia, who's a Donald Trump supporter, Renee Trust, who is a Republican-leaning libertarian, Tim Wilson, who is a Bernie Sanders supporter. And on the phone with us, we have former state Senator Dick Woodbury, who is leading the uh, the movement to or led the movement to get question number five on the ballot for ranked choice voting you'll be seeing that on your ballot here in Maine this fall it would apply to statewide elections not to the federal elections and you are welcome to join the conversation with any questions or comments we've got a few we're going around with questions from our panelists here but we'd love to have listeners join us as well the number is 469-0500 or you can call toll free at 1-866-625-9378 I think Tim Wilson's up next then Steve Goss so with questions yeah senator uh is what has happened in ranked choice voting areas to the political conversation does it generally get to be more issues oriented or candidate oriented uh well one thing that gets taken out of the picture is this whole spoiler idea and um you know because there aren't spoilers anymore and so you don't you don't need to sort of rely on polling and all, all of those issues and strategic voting so much. And so certainly to some degree, campaigns get uh, increased focus on issues, you know, experience, people's leadership style, their vision, the things you kind of want campaigns to be about. The other thing that's different about campaigns when you have a ranked choice voting system is that um, it's very risky to be so negative. If, if a candidate is, you know, really negative and saying bad things about one of the other candidates, they risk not being the second choice of people who like that other candidate as, as a first choice. So the incentives within the whole political process to be more civil in how candidates interact with each other. And, you know, you know we've, we've certainly hear, heard stories about, you know, this is used a lot in, in the Bay Area. Um, for elections. It's used a lot in uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, and we hear stories about just their election systems just being a lot more civil and and friendly and a lot of the negative ads, um, you know, not completely gone, but substantially reduced. Steve Godso, you had a question? Hi, uh, Senator Woodbury, uh, Hillary supporter Steve Godso. I like the concept of ranked voting. I'm a little, I'd like clarification on the details, though. Um, So if you had six candidates and you look at the one who has the least, do you then look at their second choice or? Yes. It's, it's, so only, it's, only that person's second choice, none of the others. That's right. So let's, so you've, let's go through this six-candidate example. So you've got six candidates. You add up the first-choice rankings of the six candidates. The person who is the least, so the six, you know, the person who came in sixth, gets eliminated, and you have a runoff between the other five. Um, you then kind of count up the ballots again among those five, and whoever is in the last place at that point 
you eliminate that person, and you have a runoff between four. When you, say, when you say person. runoff, you mean you look at the, uh, for that sixth person, you look at their second choice to, to add to the totals? I, you know, probably the, the, the best way to think about the runoff is you're going back to every ballot, and among the people who are still in the running, in the runoff, you're looking at the ballot and saying, well, who's ranked highest? So for candidates who still have their first-choice candidate in the running, their ballot still counts for their first-ranked candidate. If their first-ranked candidate has been eliminated, then it would, their ballot would count for their second-ranked. If their second-ranked is also eliminated, their ballot would count for their third-ranked. So it's just as if you're actually opening the polls and having people vote again. It's just you're using their ballots to figure out who they'd vote for in that runoff round. Does that make sense? Except you're using the minority of the voters who get a chance, essentially, to vote more than once. Uh, well, everybody gets to vote in every round. Every ballot counts in every round. So everybody gets a chance to vote more than once. But what you're saying, I think that if people, again, Google or go to YouTube and look for that Minnesota Public Radio short video they did, it's under two minutes long. I had to watch it a couple times before I actually got a better grasp of it. But basically they used post-it notes of different colors and you they stacked them according to your first choice was on top and whoever was in first place or like a row of blue post-it notes across the top. But there weren't enough blues to... Uh, to comprise a majority and then there were maybe three red ones under that and two yellow ones or whatever so the yellow ones didn't have enough to they were the last place so you pull the yellow ones off the pile and see what the second one underneath that was And if the second one was red it would go up and be added to the red category if it was blue it would go up and be added to the blue then if there was a majority for one of those top ranked ones the whole thing would be over with but if there wasn't it would go to eliminate again the last place person go with the last place people's votes go to what their next place person was and keep adding them up to the top which over the radio is really complicated to explain what they, i oh, what i like to say about it yeah this is betsy again is that it's it's easy to vote this way the counting is not so easy but but the but what I would like the public to know is that when you go into the voting booth to vote in this manner, it is not going to be difficult for you to figure out how to do this. There's and a I think we make it on the League of right. Women Voters website. And I think we make it sound very complicated because yes, the counting can be complicated, but the actual voting, the actual ranking of your of your choices, is not a difficult thing to do. It's how they vote for. Um, it's how they vote for the well, Baseball Hall of Fame. It's how they vote for um, it, lots of sports. I think the Heisman Trophy. And there's lots of sports um, elections that, that get voted in this way. So, you know, it's not, it's not a difficult thing to, to actually cast your vote. Let me give that website real quick. And I think Dave Gulia has something he wants to add to this. If, uh, just so that you can see what the... Um, the potential uh, sample ballot would look like, and I'm sure this is in other places too, so if anybody wants to add any other websites that they think people could go look at, please feel free to, but I found this on um, League of Women Voters of Maine, which is lwvme.org, lwvme.org, and they also address the issue of whether or not it's a constitutional, um, whether or not it would require a... Uh, um, they don't settle, but they do address the issue of whether or not this would require a constitutional amendment. Dave, did you have something that you wanted to say? Uh, well, I did. I mean, I guess looking at it right now, I mean, I'd be a disenfranchised voter with ranked choice voting. I, I think, and I don't 
discredit Betsy's example, but I think, I mean, that's apples and oranges. I, politics to me seems is very polarizing. It's, it's almost like, for me, you know, I really like this person, but, and I really don't like this person. So for me, I'd probably be like more of a bullet voter because I'm just going to go in and vote for the person who I've done all my research on, I've spent months listening to, I've, you know, what if there's debates, you know, I've, I've tuned into the debates, and I'm, I've got an idea in my mind when I go in there. I'm probably not going to put a check mark or any kind of a thing next to that name that is, just doesn't do it for me. So I, I, and I think that there's a lot of that. He's looking at the Hillary Clinton supporter when he says that. But <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand how that disenfranchises you. You've cast your vote. You're not disenfranchised. Well, I, I think I am because I'm, I'm a person, and for me, I mean, I'm an in-and-out voter. I get in there. I know what I, what I want to do. I want to connect the line between the person, whoever it is, that, I, and I want to go out. Now I've got to, okay, now I've got to finish. Well, where do I like Hillary? Where do I like Jill Stein? Where do I like... You don't I have don't. to do that. You don't have to do that any more than, than you have to... You don't have to vote for anybody in any given election. If you have one choice, you make that one choice. I think disenfranchised may not be the word that you're looking for. Disenfranchised meaning when your vote doesn't get counted. Yeah, when, I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I think I mean, many people believe that this system really gives voters more voice. Now, that doesn't mean that you know some people want to go in, vote for their one candidate, and if that candidate's eliminated, they don't care what happens. So, you know, so don't bother voting for somebody else. Um, but others think, you know what? Um, I'd really like to to have the opportunity to share my actual broader rankings about who I think is right. And so that I want to participate in these runoffs. If my person's eliminated, there actually is somebody I prefer among the ones that are left. All so right. that's, a, that's just a big thing here, giving more voice to the voter in the process. All right. We've got a caller waiting. I want to just remind listeners, you are listening to Maine Currents on WERU. I'm your host, Amy Brown. Again, our guests in the studio are Betsy Garrell. She's a Green Party supporter of the presumptive nominee, Dr. Jill Stein. Steve Godso is a Hillary Clinton supporter. Dave Guglia is a Donald Trump supporter. Renee Trust is a Republican-leaning libertarian. And Tim Wilson is a Bernie Sanders supporter. And on the phone, we are joined by former state senator Dick Woodbury, who is one of the promoters of the passage of Question 5 one of the people who helped get it on the ballot this fall in Maine, which is ranked choice voting. And on the phone joining us is one of our listeners, Matt from Franklin. Welcome to the program, Matt. Hello. Do you have a question or a comment? Yes, I do. Um, I guess um, about counting ballots, and I've participated in counting ballots sometimes, and did I hear right that in Portland you had 19 runoffs? Um, I'm just wondering how this has been a big city. It seems like it would be a, a complicated process that would be open up for confusion and fraud and whatnot. So you're, that's my comment. All right. Senator Woodbury, do you have a, a response to that? Yeah, well, I, everybody who's been part of it in Portland has been, has been, I mean, beginning with the voters, you know, 94% of voters, I think, said they did not find this difficult or complicated. Um, the process worked even when there were, I the, maybe 19 candidates in, in uh, the first um, the first time this was tried. Um, it's, it's worked smoothly. It's worked smoothly in very large municipalities, the municipalities that are as big as the state of Maine. So it's, it's very much a, a, a workable system that has been tried in numerous places, you know, both around the country and around the world. Well, I guess my question is the oversight 
of, um, of actually looking at the ballots? Are we just going to rely on what the computer says it is? Or I know when you're in a town hall looking at ballots, there's people actually looking at them. Yeah, I mean, it would be much the same, I think, as we do it right now. We, to a significant extent, trust the the integrity of the of the, the counts that the machines make, um, as we do now. You know, not every ballot gets looked at unless there's a recount. And in the case okay. of a recount, this is, a you know, you, you do a recount in a very similar way. You just have to do it in the same sequence of rounds that the computer does it through the tabulation process. But it's, well, it's a fully doable it's concept. Yeah. It's easy to vote, but I guess the, the part I'm confused about is the, the counting. And I know in town halls, they're up till late in the night sometimes counting. So I, I guess that's my comment is how the con- counting can be confusing. Yeah, you know, the small towns there. where the hand counts. Yeah. yeah, thanks for your call, Matt. Let me give the phone number for anybody else wants to join, and then we'll give you a chance to respond to that. The number is 469 0500. If you've been getting a busy signal, we just have two phone lines into the studio, so please be patient and try back. Again, 469 0500. Did you have a response to that? Former Senator Woodbury, did you uh, want to respond to the, the hand count question, how complicated that might make the hand counting? Um, yeah, I mean, I you know, I when we do presentations, not necessarily on the radio, but, you know, with people, you can kind of imagine... Yeah, visuals definitely help. You, know, piles, you can imagine piles of ballots. So you've got, you know, so you got your candidates A, B, C, D, and you're kind of creating a pile of ballots that are applying to each of the four candidates. And when the, the you know, the candidate with the smallest pile gets eliminated, you're basically just taking those ballots from that ca- candidate and reallocating them to the other three. The other three stay right where they are because the voters who voted for, for them, they're still in the running. So those ballots stay right there in those piles. So this, this really is not a, a, a terribly complicated thing to do, even when you're hand counting them one by one. All right. Renee Trust has a question, then Steve Godso. Well, yes, I have. I've actually counted ballots in my town by hand with, you know, the oversight in place with the the, uh, elections warden and the person from another party and people watching. And with our simple system that we have now, we've made mistakes and had to recount stacks of 50, which is all we do at one time. I can only imagine what it would be like with this ranked choice voting. And and, um, I mean, See if I have this right. This is a massive redistribution of vote, and um, and it's great uh, job creator for the forensic computer scientists and um, analysts in in the world. And, and and you know, I just say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Let's keep it simple. We have a system that people understand. We already have a lack of participation um, in the general population, and I don't see how this is going to increase um, participation one bit. Yeah, I, I um, totally respect your, your perspective. I happen to think there's an awful lot that is broken, and I guess that's why I kind of have gotten so heavily involved in, in this particular reform. I think we have a great system if people would just participate. Steve Godso has a question, then we're going to take a call. Uh, Senator Woodbury, are you aware of municipalities or counties or anything across the country who voted for ranked voting and then decided to go away from it later on? Uh, there are some. I'm pretty sure Burlington, Vermont, is one. Um, you know, I, I think in 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 the the mood of politics, a particular person succeeds in a system, and 
there can be movements to then change the system because they weren't happy with the outcome. So, yes, there have been those circumstances. I don't think they're common, but they're certainly out there. Thank you. Gray from Hancock, welcome back to the program. Yeah, I just got a couple comments based on some comments I've just heard. One, if you want to increase uh, participation by voters who are currently not participating in the election system, maybe none of the above would draw them in, give them some power. And second of all, maybe on this show, when you have representatives of supporters for various candidates, you should have someone like Yo, who doesn't support any candidate and is very critical of the whole system. Well, I think Renee is kind of filling that point right now a little bit. She's kind of putting up her hands saying, what about me? Yeah, uh, yeah we do have some people here. But but in terms of voting, none of the above. Um, Betsy, well, do you I, Well, I, I just wanted to address the participation question because I think giving people the opportunity to, to have more than one choice, to actually say, you know, this one is my number one choice, but I could live with this one. I think that would actually increase participation, not decrease it. I think it's a more democratic process, and I think people have real um, problems with whether the, the the process that we have right now is truly democratic or not. We have a call from Lori from Deer Isle. We probably have time for a few more calls, so if you'd like to be next up on deck, you'll probably get a busy signal now, but keep trying at 4690500. Lori, go ahead. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Great program, as always. Um, I wanted to speak to the point that uh, Renee Trust made about um, thinking that this ranked choice voting system would complicate, you know, would turn would turn people off even more than they already are from this from the current system. And I think the opposite is true. I think that people feel a lot of times that they cannot vote for their first choice, and the system seems very broken on a lot of different levels, not to mention campaign finance. But, um, yeah, I think ranked choice voting just is sort of like modern dentistry. We're going for more and better democracy. And uh, that's my comment. So thank you so much. Thank you for thanks for your call, Lori. Renee. Yeah, I guess I can't think of an example where I wouldn't be able to use my first choice. All right. Anybody else have any comments? Uh, Former Senator Woodbury, would you like to weigh in on anything the callers have had to say? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, every voter is different, and every voting system that you can, can imagine has you know, certain aspects to it. I, you know, I just believe that this one has the, you know, without, you know, without having, you know, multiple runoffs and multiple primaries and, and, and kind of the, the a, a much more time-consuming system, this is a way to give voters a, a, a lot of say um, in the landscape of the candidates that are out there. It obviously doesn't make any difference when there are just two candidates, but with the increasing frequency that we have, um, you know, four or five candidates in a, in a governor's or Congress race, um, and even more than that in many primary races, the, the opportunity for voters to have say beyond their very first choice candidate, I think is just really helpful to the process. Welcome to the program, Patrick from Penobscot. He called 4690500. If you want to be up next, wait until he's done and give us a call. And uh, welcome, Patrick. Hello. Good afternoon, everybody. I have always thought uh, ranked choice 
appealed has always appealed to me, and I think it uh, is helpful for democracy. I think it would be cheaper, actually, but I don't know the specifics. Um, uh, in other countries where there are many, many more parties, uh, this makes great sense. And uh, I don't know, a caveat being the none of the above thing is perhaps, okay, so those would become moot votes, I suppose, unless it's an overwhelming number of none of the above. What does it say? you end up having a runoff anyway. Uh, but ranked choice makes a great deal of sense. I think it's, for me, easy to understand. I uh, uh more to say, but I'll leave it at that. All right. Thank you for calling, Patrick. And uh, Dave Gulia has a question for you. Well, sure. Senator Woodbury, uh, what could you tell us about uh, would uh, ranked choice voting, would that uh, eliminate primaries? Uh, no, it wouldn't. It, it would, um, you'd still have the same party primaries that you have now, um, but the party primaries themselves would be, would have ranked choice ballots and a ranked choice tabulation process. So, um, I don't know. I mean, you, you know, I think it is a good example to look back at the 2010 uh, period when we had very large uh, numbers of candidates. And, and, we're, and I think that's likely to be true in 2018, too, that we'll have a lot of Democrats, a lot of Republicans who will be interested in running for governor. Um, and if you've got eight candidates there, somebody can win with 17 or 18 percent of the vote. Um, this system makes sure that Whoever is the ultimate winner really does have the broad appeal of the people who are participating in that primary. And the, the uh, parties are under no obligation to use this system, of course, within their own uh, processes, correct? Uh, well, I the, mean, the, until the before they get on the ballot. Actually, uh, we're talking about just statewide elections, though. So, they, yeah, we're getting yeah, any, of the, any of the elections that are managed by the Secretary of State's office. So, our regular primary elections, which are managed by the Secretary of State's office, would use this system. All right. Uh, I don't think we have, uh, we may have one more call coming in. We're going to be running out of time here in just a minute. So we have time for maybe one more uh, question from our panelists here before we wrap up and take this last call. Does anybody have anything you're on the edge of your seat that you need to ask? And then we'll take the caller and then we're going to wrap up. All right, then we'll go to the caller next. Uh, go ahead, caller. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Uh, it's Lori from Deer Isle again, and I just uh, got a little curious. Um, I wanted to ask Renee. Um, she's leaning libertarian, so I'm guessing that means maybe she's going to vote for Gary Johnson. And I'm just curious if, if that is the case, and, um, you know, maybe maybe that's not something you want to share with the listeners. But um, if that is the case, I'm just wondering, I mean, I think there's a pretty good chance he won't be elected. I might be wrong about that, but um, so... You don't have a second, let's just say you were going to vote for Gary Johnson and he didn't get it. You don't have a second choice. I, I don't plan on voting for Gary Johnson. I don't even um, plan She's on... She's our none of the above person I'm, right I'm, now. I'm not voting on the top of the ticket. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that, that, that seems like that's a sign that our democracy does need some life support, perhaps. Just wanted, just wanted to get a sense of that from you. Thank you so much to everyone who's participated. It's been fascinating. Yeah, thank you for calling, Lori, and thanks to everybody else who called as well, and I want to give you a, a chance to uh, say a last word uh, before we let you go, former State Senator Dick Woodbury. Um, yeah, thank you. I, you know, I, there, there's so much that 
is frustrating and distasteful about politics these days and you know everything from the just the negativity and the divisiveness and the hyperpartisanship um and the spoiler effects and just this whole level of of tension and, and divisive behavior and i know that this isn't the solution to everything that kind of fixes the whole thing but it nudges the system in a in a positive direction in almost every one of these domains and so you know so even if it's not you know the end all and be all answer i gotta believe it's at least worth a try to to see if we can improve on 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 some of what really has become a problematic political environment. So I really appreciate being with you. Thanks for having well, me. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. And I know there are, we could keep this discussion going for another hour. We don't have time for that. But uh, we've uh, had a lively discussion. And that's thanks to you joining us. And also thanks to this great panel that's been getting together once or twice a month since March. And we'll continue up until the elections, consisting of Betsy Garrell, the Green Party supporter, Steve Godzo, Hillary Clinton supporter, Dave Guglia, a Donald Trump supporter, Renee Trust, who is a Republican-leaning libertarian, she switched that up on me, so I'm going to have to correct my notes, Uh, Tim Wilson, who is a Bernie Sanders supporter, and uh, we are possibly going to be looking for someone else to fill in. We had another Hillary Clinton supporter who was alternating with Steve on the days he couldn't be here, and she's no longer available. She's working on the campaign. So listeners, if one of you is someone who supports Hillary Clinton, who would like to fill in on some of the dates that Steve can't be available coming up in the next couple of months, email me at news at weru.org, and we'll try to get that schedule worked out if you feel like you'd like to be on the radio and talk about why you support Hillary Clinton. And we're also going to be taking up more of the ballot questions. Today we were discussing in question number five, a citizen initiative that will be on the main ballot that reads, do you want to allow voters to rank their choices of candidates in the elections for U.S. Senate, Congress, Governor, State Senate, and State Representative, and to have the ballots counted at the state level in multiple rounds in which last place candidates are eliminated until a candidate wins by majority? You can go to the state website. There are uh, details on and the small print that comes with how this works on all of the ballot questions at main.com. In addition to thanking everyone who called in today and all of our panelists, I'd also like to thank John Greenman for engineering today's program and uh, want to invite you to join us next week on Main Currents. We are here every Wednesday at 4 o'clock next week. Journalist Hal Crowther and activist and artist Rob Shutterly will be debating voting for the lesser of two evils in the first half of our program and then we're going to have activists who were recently arrested at Bath Ironworks talking about why they felt the need to commit civil disobedience there. This crew that we've had with us today, this multi-partisan roundtable will be joining us again on August 10th. We may or may not be taking up one of the ballot issues. We were talking about that before the show and it looks like that's going to be right after uh, the convention so we may be um, spending most of the time talking about the conventions but we will try to get to more of the ballot issues. Main is independent local news, views, and culture here on WERU every Wednesday at 4 o'clock. I'm your host, Amy Brown. Stay tuned for Democracy Now!, which is coming up next, and then jazz straight ahead with Larry Stahlberg. We also plan to do a live video feed on WERU's Facebook page tonight from the vigil in Bangor for Alton Sterling, Philandro Castile, and the Dallas police officers who were recently shot. That's starting at 6 o'clock in West Market Square in Bangor. You can watch the WERU Facebook page if you're listening to Larry's show and you don't want to go to the Facebook page and listen to the rally. It'll be up there later if the technology works out. Keep it tuned here to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor and streaming online at WERU.org. Thanks for listening.
Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from Waterfront Concerts, presenting Sean Colvin and Steve Earle at Merrill Auditorium on 20 Myrtle Street in Portland on Sunday, July 17th at 7 p.m. Waterfrontconcerts.com or 842-0800. Community Radio, WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 102.9 Bangor, and streaming live at WERU.org. Support for WERU comes from Maine Farmland Trust, a member-supported, nonprofit organization focused on reviving the working landscape and securing a future for farming in Maine. More information on protecting farmland and supporting farmers at mainefarmlandtrust.org. You're listening to Community Radio, WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill and 99.9 in Bangor. Here's a quick look at the National Weather Service forecast for the greater Bangor, Midcoast, and Downeast regions. Tonight, partly cloudy, some areas of fog after midnight. Overnight lows 62. Winds out of the southwest at 10 to 15, gusting up to 25 miles per hour. Thursday, mostly sunny, areas of fog in the morning, highs 72 to 82, southwest winds 15 to 20 miles per hour. Thursday night, mostly cloudy, there's a chance of some showers and thunderstorms, along with patchy fog. Some thunderstorms may produce heavy rainfall. Low 65, winds out of the southwest at 10 to 15, gusting to 25 miles per hour. Friday, patchy fog in the morning along with cloudy skies and a chance of showers, and then mostly sunny with a chance of showers and thunderstorms in the afternoon. Highs 78 to 85, southwest winds 10 to 15 miles per hour. And for the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, partly sunny, highs 75 to 82. In the marine forecast for the Penobscot Bay Area, tonight winds out of the south at 5 to 15 knots, becoming around 10 knots after midnight. Seas 1 to 2 feet with patchy fog after midnight. Thursday, winds out of the south at 10 to 15 knots, seas 1 to 2 feet. Patchy fog in the morning with scattered showers and thunderstorms in the afternoon. Thursday night across the waters, winds out of the south at 10 to 15 knots. They'll diminish 5 to 10 after midnight. Seas around 2 feet. There's a chance 